You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TowerJunkiesPod. I am your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is my comate, Tiny. Tiny, how's it going? Magnificently. Perfect. That's awesome. And, um... Uh, today on the podcast, we will be doing our first in a series of episodes where we just have a palaver about each member of the quartet in the book series. Um, and so this one's going to start out with, with of course, Roland Deshane. Uh, but first, we have some news items and, and some brief check-in stuff to do. Uh, first, before we get to news, Tiny, how have you been? What's What's been going on with you? Uh, I've been good. I've been good. Uh, my knee's killing me. I feel like an old man. Uh, got my marriage license today. Nice. Even more of an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and lately I have been reading The Dead Zone. Nice. For and the we're time. sweet. And yeah. we're going to have an episode about that in the future. Yep. Uh, how are you liking Well, how far are you in it? <laughs> uh, I'm halfway through it and I'm actually reading it in physical form, which is kind of mm-hmm. refreshing because I've been solely yeah. audio booking it for like months now. Right. Um, so it's just kind of, just kind of nice to like, Physic, have that physical thing in there and mm-hmm. see your see your uh, uh, bookmark in there mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just kind of a nostalgic thing. Nice. Um, I'm I'm loving it again. For a while, it was mm-hmm. my favorite Stephen King book, um, and I'm really gonna have to compile my thoughts on the book because I don't know if I can really pin down why I like that book so much. Oh, really? I I, I really just dig it. Like I started reading it less than a week ago mm-hmm. and I'm halfway through it already. So, yeah. I mean, it's almost 300 pages I've read already. Um, nice. And it's just, it's just cause I like it so much. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to really focus. That's awesome. But it's That's been great. Awesome. Yeah. Where are you at? Very cool. Uh, let's see. I finished The Dead Zone a, a couple weeks ago. I was audiobooking that, and we were talking before we were recording, but James Franco does a fantastic job narrating nice. it. It's really great. Um, and then I also am uh, almost done with Christine uh, awesome. for the first time, which I'm super excited about. Um it's uh that's that's one of those Stephen King blind spots that have been kind of kind of uh elusive to me because it's always one that I've wanted to read just never got around to it so I'm excited to finally be filling that that uh spot in my uh Stephen King reading um and I'm liking it a lot and we'll I'll talk more about it when when we review it I think I'm going to do a solo review for that and then we'll come together for the uh movie review for it Okay cool um yeah and then I've actually done a little bit more Stephen King stuff in the uh between recordings here um, let's see. I watched Carrie, the Brian De, De Palma film. I've still never seen that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I just never have. Wow. I don't know why. No, it, no excuses. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, How'd you like it? Well, it's funny because I, 
I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like I just I I don't know what it was. It was right after I read the book. It was when I started when I started the blog Obsessive Viewer, and uh, I was doing the adaptations and remakes where I was like I'd read the book and then watch the watch the uh, adaptations. I watched the De Palma film. I watched the TV movie. And then all that was to lead up to the 2013 remake. And I haven't read those reviews in a long time or that review in a long time. But going in just without that, without having the source material like in, in the back of my head so fresh and everything, it was it was really good. Nice. Um, like I, I definitely see why it gets a lot of acclaim. And there's just a really great shot bet- uh, where they're at the, they're at the prom and, and – uh, they're dancing and the camera's just spinning around and keeps spinning and keeps spinning and it's very disorienting. Uh, I think I've actually seen that before. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really cool. Nice. Um but yeah, and that's also kind of funny cuz like I'm reading Christine now and I'm planning on reading Salem's Lot cuz uh a friend of ours uh 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 Robin um uh, Alex oh, and yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um and, and Jasmine, they uh, they started a new book book review website. Okay, called Another GD Book Site. Okay, <laughs> um, and they're doing like a uh, horror themed or Halloween themed reading thing. So each week, for the next six weeks, they're going to be doing reviews of different books and discussions of different books that are horror related. And this week is Salem's Lot. Nice. <laughs> so, like right now, I'm I'm taking a break from King in in the audiobook format. Because I'm reading like like you with the the dead zone. I'm reading Christine in a physical paperback, and it I I agree. It feels just really good. To, yeah, it's nice to get to back, go back to, that. to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like I, I've been listening to a Game of Thrones, and so like now I want to after that I want to like listen to Salem's Lot immediately. But then I'm also recording a review of The Gunslinger with Tony Troxel this week. So I, I want to kind of squeeze in another listen to that. So I don't know. I have all this stuff going on. I know, right? But but yeah, all that is to say that um when we started the podcast and like in my in the introductory episode that I recorded, um I had said that like, oh yeah, we'll be doing like um book reviews of Stephen King's books for uh, Merlin's grapefruit episodes. Mm -hmm. And like my idea was like, Oh, we'll go in like, well, obviously we'll go in like chronological order, but like we're reading like the dead zone and Christine (laughs) and we're kind of jumping all over the place. So, and we did it. So I don't know, maybe eventually we'll get into a chronological thing, but I would love to, I would love to re re reread Carrie and then have you watch the, De Palma film because I'd be very curious what you would think about. Okay, it. I've never read the book either. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Which is that his first? That's novel? his first one. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not too long. Is it like three hundred pages? No, it's not long at all. Yeah, I need to give that a um, shot. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why. I have no excuses. I just never. Right. No, no reasons either. Why I just, I just mm-hmm. never have. Well, he's written kind of a lot. So. He has. Yeah. I think yeah. it's because it's popular. Yeah. And it's just kind of like a go-to thing. Like, well, yeah, everyone's read Carrie and sure. everyone's seen Carrie, so maybe that's why I just kind of. Um, my my partner at work is named Carrie. Oh, okay. Same spelling nice. and everything. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, I need to. I need. I need to get around to that. Nice. What are you gonna read after the dead zone? I don't know. I think I, I enjoy audiobooks and everything, and like mm-hmm. I have Audible and, and stuff like that, and so yeah. I, I've been buying Stephen, getting Stephen King books that way. But mm-hmm. it's kind of expensive. And, it is, and I'm not like picky about quality of a book like it doesn't sure. need to be super nice or anything and mm-hmm. so like i'm i think i'm just going to peruse around to like the half price books 
around town and see what what they have. Yeah, if you go to the one in Avon, you might find some of my business okay. cards. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. No, but yeah, that's not a bad idea. They actually have a couple of nice hardcovers of Night Shift. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's cool. Yeah, I might uh, I might do that. Nice, nice. Yep. Um, I, on the other hand, have been buying a lot of Audible. Uh, like what? I, what I've done is, I have I have a physical Stephen King collection of books that I've even this week I've added to. <laughs> like I bought a uh, 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 what was it? Skeleton Crew. And that's going to be delivered tomorrow. And then I pre-ordered the new edition of Nightmares and Dreamscapes. And then, like, I'm getting paid on Thursday. And I'm like, okay, I have I have different seasons just in my cart right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, having like, like, aside from all that, I've also been buying them on Audible, like, using my credits on Stephen King books that I already own the physical copies of and Kindle editions of. Well, right. no, the Kindle editions one, I just pay the difference because they have, if you buy, if you have it on Kindle and then go to um, it on Audible, like, it, it'll show that it's on sale, so you it only costs, like, eight bucks. So I'm like, uh, nine bucks for Salem's Lot? Sure, why not? <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm, a, I'm an amazing consumer, apparently. <laughs> um... But yeah, so so yeah, so after Christine, I don't know what I'm going to read. Uh, I, well, I'm going to read Salem's Lot, and then I would love to read Carrie soon, and then do that soon. But we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Um, but <laughs> that is not the only Stephen King thing that I've I've had going on. Um, I mentioned in a previous episode that uh, there was a local production of. Uh, an adaptation of the man who loved flowers mm-hmm. from Stephen King's, uh, night shift, uh, short story collection. So for our listeners, we are here in Indianapolis and Greenfield, Indiana, which is a little ways East of us. Um, there is being shot. There was being shot a, uh, short film by the guys over at, Five After Five Productions. Uh, the the guy's name is Cameron Grimm. Okay. Uh, it's one of the Stephen King Dollar Baby projects where he paid a dollar, got the rights to adapt this work, and then got a crew together, and then he shot this short film. So what I did was I reached out to him, and I actually, like, he allowed me to go onto the set with them and interview the cast and crew and and just kind of watch as they were shooting the, shooting the, the film. And... It was a blast, man. Nice. <laughs> it was awesome. First of all, it was um, it was filmed in Greenfield, Indiana, which it was on Main Street. And like driving onto Main Street in Greenfield, Indiana, it's like I was driving into a Stephen King town. Yeah, totally. Like, it is so. It is the exact image of of a standard Stephen King town, mm-hmm. um, which I think is great because then the short story. Um, I, I read it before I went and in the short story, it's set in New York and I think Greenfield is a great like stand in for that. And the way that I won't give anything away, but the way that Cameron, uh, adapted it and, and, uh, worked, worked on the story and everything is like really, really quite clever and, and really, uh, really pretty amazing. Like he, I was talking to him about the process of it and I'm excited because I'm going to, I'm going to get to interview him. Uh, soon and we'll have a big 
a big The Man Who Loved Flowers episode mm-hmm. um, in the coming weeks. But I was really excited about that. I'll put a link to their Facebook page in the show notes. Definitely uh, go ahead and like that Facebook page because they're, they're awesome. Cameron's a great guy, and the whole cast and crew were phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, and you'll hear more about them in the coming weeks. Nice. And then finally, I was listening to a another Stephen King pro- podcast, uh, the Castle Rock TV podcast, mm-hmm. and I uh, I got to um, DMing one of the hosts, and we were we got to talking and stuff, and like they actually played our promo on their show this week, nice. and so I was super happy about that. They're great guys, and I just wanted to kind of give a plug to Castle Rock TV podcast, uh, Chris and Skipper from that podcast. They are phenomenal. Like they uh, they're very. It's a very well produced show. And they're basically they they come from the eleven twenty two sixty three an event podcast where they talked about eleven twenty two sixty three and the the event series on Hulu. And then when Castle Rock TV was or when Castle Rock the show was announced, they started this new podcast. And uh, I'll play a a promo from from their show later in this episode. But I just want to give a shout out to Castle Rock TV podcast because they were super uh, super nice to uh play our promo and uh and um i'm hoping that we can get like a crossover episode going totally yeah um all right so i think that's enough news and check-ins and stuff um i did want to mention tiny that the i i well i mentioned before that there's a new nightmares and dreamscapes paperback edition coming out Mm mm-hmm and there's something about these freaking paperbacks that are coming out this year i think they're from gallery books um, which I think is an imprint of Simon uh, Simon and Schuster. But okay, have, did you see the the cover for this? I for didn't this see edition? the cover. Now let me. Okay, yeah. See. Um, it just looks really good. It's like it's like a car on a desolate road. Oh yeah, and the color scheme is like the road and the car are kind of like uh not sepia tone, but like it's red tinted yeah. and then the sky is like blue and it's just, it looks freaking beautiful. Um, and this edition is going to be released according to Amazon on October 31st. And I went ahead and pre-ordered that. Nice. <laughs> oh, and that reminds me that next week, um, sleeping beauties comes out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I pre-ordered that on audible. So I'm going to have to listen to that and then we'll do a review on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's so much Stephen King stuff to I do. I know. It's just... It's freaking awesome. Seems like an endless universe. It does. It does. Yeah. So, okay. So this episode is one of our palaver episodes. So we... Basically, we have different categories for different episodes. You can find that in the in the show notes of this episode and also at uh, towerjunkiespod.com slash about. Um, so palaver episodes are just basic conversations about the books and the book series and anything tangentially related to the book series and everything and to Stephen King as a whole. So I had the idea that we would do these uh, series of episodes all about the quartet at the center of the Dark Tower C- series. So, of course, to start out, I was going to we're going to talk about Roland Deschain, um, uh the last gunslinger. And so. The way we're going to do this is that if you haven't read the book series yet, um, we won't spoil the series um, in this first part. We're going to just kind of have a general uh, conversation about uh, the character as a whole 
And then we'll have a separate section for spoilers about their arc throughout the entire series of books. So um, we'll warn you when we go into spoilers, but just on a, on a base level, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Roland Deshane. Um, so tiny, what do you think about Roland? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, um, I, I think he is Stephen King's best work. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of the quintessential hero, I, I think. Um, uh, but he has, he has these chips on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. He has, uh, very, dark aspects of how he conducts himself, I guess I will say, mm-hmm. um, to not get into spoilers. Right. Um, he, he's just a very, uh, he, he's, he's very archety- archetypical in the sense that he's kind of the strong silent type. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he's, he's got this drive. Um, he's, he's consumed by this, this need or this, uh, it's, it's more than need. It's a destiny mm-hmm. that he's linked to. Um, which is, you know, that's, that's, that's an archety- archetypical thing for his mm-hmm. kind of character as well. But, um, I feel like, I feel like there's something special about it because, um, because of what Roland is willing to do and what he does throughout mm-hmm. his journey. Um, that gets him there. You you could almost make the argument that Roland Deschain is an anti-hero sometimes. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Um, I I think that's what that's what makes him a pretty unique uh, a pretty unique hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and uh, you mentioned him as being kind of an archetypical like strong silent type. Like I I he is like the archetypal archetypical. Uh, uh, Western character, mm-hmm. um, like the the thing that kind of pops up in, in my head is that he's he's the man with no name, but he's given a name, <laughs> right? So like like when reading the Gunslinger, he is this kind of mysterious figure, and then as the series progresses, Stephen King kind of peels back the layers of his character and and of the backstory, and that kind of really fleshes him out and really makes him one of the most fascinating characters in all of King's work. Um, um, in my opinion. And it's like you said, he does have this drive. He has this, this central purpose that drives him and everything, which I think it's funny because reading, reading Christine, I'm kind of noticing that, um, Stephen King does deal, like he writes a lot about like addiction and everything. And Roland Deschain is a tower junkie. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's addicted to getting to the tower. That is his, that is his central drive. And it's something that Stephen King writes about a lot. Like like in Christine, like Arnie is obsessed to the point of having an addiction. And with Roland and the dark tower series, it's not just that he's driven by that because it, it's a noble quest. Cause his whole purpose is to go to the tower to preserve his dying world essentially because time is uh the world has moved on and time is all out of whack and everything is just out of whack and dying essentially on his level of the tower um so that's his purpose is to to correct that but it's this it's this more powerful like obsession that that really uh takes away at the what would be the heroic aspects of his character. And that's what makes him more of an anti anti hero and makes him more of a, not amoral, but more of a complex 
character than than what we would get if he was just a guy that goes into a town and and uh and saves some villagers from something and is right. the hero. Um and I love the growth of the character throughout the series because and we'll talk more about that in in a spoiler section but he it's almost like the entire series is about him is is an, a redemptive arc for him and that he's he's not necessarily atoning for um any sins really but well <laughs> not necessarily that he's atoning for anything per se but he is gradually becoming more uh open to not being so uh central centralized into his quest for the tower and and he's become he becomes less ruthless and more caring um but it's a lot more nuanced than the way that i'm i'm making it sound mm-hmm. um yeah yeah um <laughs> <laughs> what else can we say about him? it's it's so hard to talk about him without going into spoilers it really is um i i think one thing that you have to mention is that I, I think Roland is also uh, Stephen King's most tragic character. Mm-hmm. Um, his entire life is just riddled with these uh, like horrific, like like I can't go on living things happen, yeah. that happen to him, oh, and yeah. it doesn't just happen like when he's an adult. Like he has these hardships when he's a kid, mm-hmm. when he's an adolescent. I mean, when he's a father, when he's <laughs> in love. I mean, it's just. All the great moments in his life are bookended by horrific tragedy. Absolutely, and and I think that's that's that is a common thread throughout his his life. Um, but that, and I think that's responsible for for the way he conducts himself. Like we said, he's mm-hmm. very steely and very uh, distant kind of person. He doesn't. He doesn't crack jokes, really. Doesn't right. laugh. Doesn't smile. Very dry. Very dry kind of person. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that explains that. But he's it's that's not to say that he's not a layered character, right? I, I think those moments of tragedy have different uh, effects on him throughout his life, and so he he is he does have layers, but there's there's a common thread of tragedy throughout. Mm-hmm all 7,000 million pages of his, of his life. And I'm talking about just, I'm not talking about just the books, but, uh, his, uh, the, the comic books. Yeah. I I love the way they delve into his backstory. Um, Mm -hmm. some of that stuff is gold. I really hope somebody adapts the comics in some way or man, me too. Hopefully in a (laughs) a future date when this project is ready to be readapted to film or television, Mm -hmm. someone does something with that. I I really hope so. Yeah. Um, I, I really hope so too. (laughs) Yeah. So tragedy plays an integral role in, in, in Roland's life. But is, is he tragic? Let's see. Is the, and I'll dance around this, but are the tragedies of his life, because he's being pulled to the tower or yeah, yeah. I, th- I think i think the tragedy is intrinsically linked to his destiny because you can't be an ultimate savior mm-hmm. without losing a lot of things right you know what i mean because if you're if you're the ultimate savior if you're going to save the universe you're going to have someone who is diametrically opposed to that mm-hmm. it, it's classic battle good and evil you're going to have someone who's trying to stop you and mm-hmm. 
that someone or something will always attack what's closest to you or, or try mm-hmm. to stop you, not just physically, but emotionally and all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. throughout his life, that force is present that causes a lot of those tragic things to happen. Yeah. Um, Roland is definitely the, the catalyst for some of the tragedy mm-hmm. tragedy. Um, but a lot of it is the evil forces working against him that just right. try to try to trip him up along the way, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a person. And, and so I think, I think, you know, if you're going to be that person, if you're going to fill that role, you're going to be linked to tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. So I think it's to, I think if you're going to create a character like that, it's almost, uh, irresponsible to make mm-hmm. them a happy go lucky or kind of fun character. Not, I don't know about irresponsible, but it's, uh, I think it just makes so much sense to have them be stoic and go through hardship. And, yeah. You know, it would almost undercut the tragedy and everything. If he was, if he was an Eddie Dean, yes. <laughs> if he was quacking, quacking, <laughs> if, if he was like a Richie Tozier, like cracking wise and stuff. Right. right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's just my opinion. Yeah. And, and let's see, I'm thinking of specific examples. I'm definitely going to re-listen to the gunslinger cause it's so damn good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's just, he is the, the heart and soul of the, of the series, obviously, but it's more about his, his, uh, his drive is what drives the, plot of the series obviously and everything mm-hmm. um it's just it's yeah he's a really complex and, and incredible character <laughs> absolutely um in broad terms what what do you think of the arc that he goes through like all of the like not necessarily the little tragedies here and there but the like little redemptive moments and and the things that he does in the series as the ser- series progresses how do you feel about him as a character um I, I like the I like to see the layers of him peeled back uh, through time because um, there are there are moments where he's there's parts of the story where he's he's just kind of kind of almost despicable. Mm-hmm. That's maybe too harsh of a word, but very unlikable. And he do, he does some things that are borderline unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Um, a bull. I kept using that suffix. Um, <laughs> so I, I think. I think to see his roller coaster is really fascinating. You know, there's times where he, it's hard not to get into spoilers with this, but you know, he's, he starts out super hard nosed and just Mm -hmm. like ruthless. I I think his, his earliest story is just ruthless and you can go further down the line where he loses people and it just, it just wrecks him as a person. And he kind of spends time, uh, just very lost. There's moments throughout his, his story where he's just completely lost as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's moments where he's just, com- he's, he's very, uh, very emotional and very, um, I think, I guess the word I would use is fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the moments where his cotet is very, either reunites or they're at their strongest. Yeah. I feel like he has a really strong sense of fil- fulfillment because the, obviously the guy is just a born leader. Right. And to be leading is, is also part of his destiny. And so mm-hmm. when he's leading, I feel like that's, that's just a fulfilling thing for him. Mm-hmm. So there, there are so many ups and downs he goes through. And, and by the end, by the time he gets to the end of his story, he's, he's been through so much that it's like, 
it's almost like getting through a climax of a story mm-hmm. is not a big deal for him because right. he's just done so much. <laughs> he's faced the most adversity you could possibly imagine for a mm-hmm. character over an unknown amount of time. But right. that's another thing about his character. Yeah. Is you can feel the time, just mm-hmm. pour, time pouring off of him mm-hmm. because it's mentioned how old he is, but you know, you kind of, if you start with the comics and everything and go through his whole life from childhood to the end of the story, mm-hmm. it's just been, you can just, you just feel it. It feels like it's mm-hmm. been centuries. Yeah. And it's, the way that King yeah. writes about like Midworld and, and the way that time, uh, is, Un like they can't even keep track of how long it's days are and everything. Un, yeah, yeah. You can't perceive it. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it really goes into just the weight of how much time this this character has been around and how long and how long this quest has been and everything. And there's a lot of like magic and stuff that right. that can really like that really uh, increases that amount for him too. Mm-hmm. That it it makes it just really hard to to grasp like the timeline of it and, and really uh, it weighs down the, it, it puts more pressure on him and puts, puts a lot of, uh, puts a lot of miles for, uh, on his journey. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And you mentioned the backstory with the comics and everything and his backstory as a, as a character. Um, we get, we get quite a bit of that in, uh, in the gunslinger as well in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, we get like his rite of passage and we get a lot of uh, interesting tidbits about his, his backstory. Um, what's, what's like your favorite part of his backstory? Non-spoiler, I guess. Um, gosh, I, it's kind of a tough, I need to read. I've only read the comics once. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a story. It's, it's his rite of passage story. Mm-hmm. Where he, it's his the process of winning his guns. If you oh will. yeah, from it's, it's also in the Gunslinger. Yeah, right. It's yeah, it's depicted in the books, mm-hmm. but there's also a comic of it. Yeah, and I honestly, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but actually, I think I kind of prefer the comic. Mm-hmm. I've only read it once. I've read the books twice, so I kind of mm-hmm. need I need to read the comics again to really make a full decision there. But um, that sticks out. I really love, just love the visuals in mm-hmm. the comic of that. Like when I think about that story, that aspect of his life, I think about the comics. Those nice. visuals jump out at me. Um, but then also the, uh, um, again, it's the comics, um, uh, the fall of Gilead. Yes. Um, Battle of Jericho Hill mm-hmm. kind of fused into one. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the tra- it's hard to explain why I like that so much without going into spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gosh, it's just so finite. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so um, it's just such a poignant moment. Like yeah. there's the the amount of loss, mm-hmm. <laughs> both in the story and through his experience as a character, mm-hmm. are just just absolutely monumental and just seems like an insurmountable obstacle to get over as, as a character. And even, even for the story, it it just Mm -hmm. seems insurmountable. Um, yet he persists and he carries Mm -hmm. on and he's just the ultimate, he just, you know, he's, he's the embodiment of never quitting. Right. (laughs) Um, and I, I think that 
that story, the battle, the battle of Jericho Hill and kind of the fall of Gilead kind of combined, uh, really, mm-hmm. really drives that home. It's just, it's super dark. Yeah. I will say oh, that yeah. it's crazy dark. Um, and it's, it's kind of hard to read in that respect, mm-hmm. but, um, kind of a toss up between those. Yeah. Um, and again, I need, I really wanted to dive into the comics before I, before I saw the movie again and I've, mm-hmm. I kind of lost sight of it, but I've got them at home. I need to, I need to sit down and go through them. Yeah. And so. we'll get to them eventually on the podcast too. So I'll, yeah. I'll force you to it. Absolutely. Um, what about you? What's your kind of favorite? You know, it's fun. You mentioned the comics and, um, there's kind of an in between, in between, uh, fall of Gilead and, and battle of Jericho Hill. It's uh, actually, it's technically like basically the first half or the first, two thirds of, of the battle for Jer- uh, battle of Jericho Hill mm. where it's just Roland and, and a quartet of, of gunslingers that are just like they've, j- they're young gunslingers and they're just kind of, um, without spoiling anything. It's, it's like, they're like resistance fighters in a war mm-hmm. and it's after, after their like regime and everything or their, their government and the affiliation is toppled. And they're just these resistance fighters that are going after the big bad of the, the backstory. Mm-hmm. And I just loved that. And I mean, again, and I like, I, I've harped on this for the past two and a half months now, like since the movie came out prime stuff for like a TV series yeah, and just like the world building could be so great. Ah, it could be great. But anyway, that's probably my favorite element of it. Cause when I was reading the comics for the first time, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it really, it really expanded upon the character that I knew already and, and what his backstory was. And also in the battle of Jericho Hill, the last panel is like, it's so, it's so great. Like the last panel is like the perfect, like end to that arc. And I just, I love it. It almost brought me to tears just mm. reading it. And it's like, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that'd probably be around my favorite one. I also like the, uh, before his coming of age, the, the stuff with hacks, the cook that's covered in the guns. Yeah. That's very, I, I like that a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we can kind of go, I guess, into spoilers for, mm-hmm. uh, his arc as a character throughout the series and everything. So I'll go ahead and play the Castle Rock TV podcast promo now. And then when we come back, we'll, we will talk in more detail about Roland DeShane as a character throughout the Dark Tower series. And we will be in spoiler territory. So if you don't want to be spoiled, if you haven't read the books, uh, quit the podcast and come back after you've read it. So here is the promo for Castle Rock TV podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Christopher DeFilippis. My name is Skipper Martin. And you might know us as the hosts of 112263, an events podcast. But Skipper and I are here to announce our new podcast, which will be all about 
the new Hulu series, Castle Rock. Not only are we going to be covering the TV show, but we're going to be covering the Stephen King books and characters that seem to be somehow tied into the TV show. Not to mention TV movies and other theatrical movies, even the bad ones. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it, right, Chris? Yep, we're going to do it all. So watch this space, subscribe, 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 and we will be dropping our first episode in no time. It's about a certain murderous clown. Can't wait. Can't wait. Follow the Castle Rock TV podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CRTVPod. Visit our website at CRTVPodcast.com and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CRTVPod. The Castle Rock TV podcast is a fractured entertainment to Flipside Media production. All right, and we're back. So we are spoilers on for the character of Roland Deschain and his arc throughout the Dark Tower series. Um, I'm going to kind of throw you a curveball and one of my favorite moments or one of the, and this is maybe controversial, but one of my favorite moments is when he, he speaks to Stephen King, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. in song of Susanna, when he and Eddie, uh, go out, like find him, find Stephen King. I just, I loved that element of the story cause it's, it's he's meeting his creator essentially mm-hmm. and i just i just love the way that it it plays out and i like the way that he's it seemed a very therapeutic for stephen king to write that from from what i could read into the text but i just like the dynamic of him talking to the person that created him um but that i mean that's not my favorite part of it, the entire series and everything but mm-hmm. uh what do you how do you feel more specifically about roland deshane throughout the series um, that moment in particular that you're talking about, I, I was so against the meta-ness of Stephen King inserting himself into the story. Um, mm-hmm. from the, I remember, uh, finishing Wolves of the Kala mm-hmm. and on the last couple pages, it's like they find a Stephen King book and I'm just like, what I, I remember in that moment, I was like, this is where the series is going to lose me. Mm. I was really worried. Wow. Um, and, and, and I still having read through it twice. I still don't care for that. I still oh, wish he would never have inserted himself into the story. Mm. Um, I just thought it was odd. Um, I think it provided some juicy parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably, I don't want to throw that spoiler out yet. Right. I don't want to throw that spoiler out yet, okay. but you know, uh, things happen as a result mm-hmm. of that. And so I, I think some of those, there's some pretty juicy nuggets of story as a result yeah. of it. So I will give him credit for that, but I, I didn't care for that, that whole thing. So, so it's hard, it's hard for me to appreciate those moments of the story, but uh, mm-hmm. the, what jumps out at me is one of my favorite moments is the, um, I mentioned earlier when, when Roland faces court mm-hmm. uh, to win his guns, I forget what the is. The, is there a name for that rite of passage? Do they have a name for it? Um, I don't recall. I don't know if they have a specific name for the actual. Um, yeah, uh, for the actual thing. I think it's just winning his guns. Right. Okay. Um, his rite of passage, or his rite of passage, basically. Yeah. Um, I remember when I read that reading reading about that event. I remember thinking that it was. It was going to put. It was going to be such a big chip on his shoulder because the way it's depicted in the story, he almost—it's almost like everyone thinks he kind of cheated a little bit. 
mm-hmm. because he used David the right the crow or the raven uh, hawk. I think hawk. Thank yeah. you. Um, he used David the hawk as his weapon of choice against mm-hmm. Court, and I think it was almost like it was a cheap thing to do, sort of. And mm-hmm. like the reason he did it is because you know someone else would have chosen a different weapon and, and the reason he did that is because he had to win his gun so that he could take revenge mm-hmm. for Martin, you know, messing with his mother. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I feel like he almost was treating his rite of passage as like an afterthought. Like mm-hmm. I know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm part of the line of Eld. I'm one of the, I'm the best in our, in, in my group of recruits right now, if you will, or trainees. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I am destined to be a great gunslinger. So this rite of passage is just kind of, uh, it's almost like semantics. So let's just get this over with so that I can get on to the work of being a, a true gunslinger. It's, it, I, I thought, I saw it as a very arrogant thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's what Stephen King intended or what, but that's, that's what kind of jumped out at me. And I feel like, I, I felt like, for the rest of his life, people would have looked at him a little bit differently because of the way he chose to address that situation. Mm-hmm. The fact that he chose the hawk as his weapon and sort of not, he didn't cheat, but just right. he's, he kind of took the easy way out mm-hmm. to get through that. And then I remember thinking that, man, I wonder if that's going to play throughout the whole story mm-hmm. and if that's going to be something that people come back to. And, it really wasn't. I right. mean, it wasn't, but I just <laughs> thought it was a cool storytelling tactic. It just, yeah, it just really made me think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, kind of, kind of the thing that I think that that rite of passage for him uh, that sets the tone for his for his actions throughout the series mm-hmm. and his his actions from that point in his life onward. Because um, Court asks him. I, I forget exactly what he says, but he says something like, "How did oh, how did you train him to to do that? Like, how did you how did you do it?" And then uh, he just says, "I didn't train him. I he, I friended him." And David dies, dude, like mm-hmm. going at, like getting court, and that's that's a perfect like microcosm of of that of of Roland Deschain as a character. He is someone who sacrifices his friends and his loved ones in service of his goal. It's a bit of a trend. So, yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like he lets Jake fall. He like he uh, death surrounds him. Like death, but not for you, gunslinger. Right. So like his friends fall because of what of of his actions in pursuit of the tower and in pursuit of his goal. Um, it's the same with the backstory in the comics too. Like he, everyone dies, yeah. but he is he's fated to to stay alive and, and, uh, and, and go on. Um, I loved his backstory that, you know, and this is interesting in wizard and glass. How do you, would you, how do you feel about that book overall? We don't need to go in specifics about it, but how do you feel about that book and how it detracts from the, from the journey and does the flashback for Roland's backstory? Um, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I, I loved it. I, I flat out loved it. Um, that story, the whole story of his time in Magus, Magus mm-hmm. um, it's just such a great story. And it's, it is, that is a classic Western. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like just on, on the nose Western yeah. kind of story. And 
I, I'm always a really big fan of uh, when series take a, a series takes a break from the story or the plot line mm-hmm. to just develop a character. Um, like I most recently watched uh, Manhunt Unabomber miniseries mm-hmm. on Investigation Discovery about the Manhunt for the Unabomber. Um, and there there is an episode during that series. It's only eight episodes long, but they took an entire episode just to develop the backstory and focus solely on Ted Kaczynski as a, as the, like him as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it was just so absolutely fascinating. Um, and, and you can use that to really reveal, reveal the layers of a character, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and I just absolutely, I I love it when series do that. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think developing your characters is one of the best thing you can do, best things you can do. And so, that's what Wizard and Glass is. It's just it's I don't know, five, six, seven hundred pages of a backstory that describes a lot of who Roland is as mm-hmm. a person and, and his his relationship with letting people into his life and, mm-hmm. and falling in love and you know, he can't he can't be the kind of person that just gets married and has a wife and has kids. Right. Like he that's not part of that's not part of his destiny. And I think that's, that's revealed really well in that story. You know, yeah. he's, that makes him a, a unique hero because mm-hmm. he just, it sets up his tragedy, right? He can't be happy. Yeah. He can't, he can't be happy. And that's, I think right. that, that story really reveals that mm-hmm. I loved, I loved wizard of class. Me too. And that was the book that really took me probably the longest to read oddly enough. Oh really? It's like, yeah. Cause I, I mean, with me with reading I, I have a habit of just kind of setting a book down for a while and coming back to it uh-huh. um, and I, I did that quite a bit but I kind of wonder how because like rereading it I, I freaking loved it like it is like you said it's it's a perfect like quintessential western and it's a love story and it has all of these moving pieces and it expands so much on the mythology and uh, one of the things in the whole series that I, I wish would be more expanded upon is the whole uh, the whole thing with the good man John Farson and that whole like the fall of the affiliation and everything and this takes place in a time where that's pending like they're they're sent to Magus and they find that like they're using uh, that John Farson's using uh, resources and, and putting putting things together to mount an offensive on the affiliation and it's like all of this is in the background of this love story of this young gunslinger falling in love with this this girl in in a in a in magus right and we also get the birth of his drive to go toward the tower and to go to the tower uh with merlin's grapefruit and it's just a very a very deep deep uh novel and then obviously it packs the punch at the end with the reveal of uh him and uh gabriel um deshane and that whole tragic as if thing. it wasn't tragic enough yeah i know right just yeah. kick the guy when he's down yeah but um but yeah and that's that's something that i feel feel like informs the rest of the series in a in a pretty significant way with his with his character and and his uh the things that he has to not necessarily let go of but the things that happens to him in the quartet throughout the rest of the series um because after that we get a long Wait, and then we get Wolves of the Kala, Song of Susanna, and The Dark Tower. And throughout those books, like at least throughout The Dark Tower, the last book, like he's losing, he's losing everyone. Right. In in 
different ways and throughout the book. And it's, I feel like that's the mark of his characterization and the growth of his character that he starts out as this loner who is, who's willing to let this kid fall to his death so that he can find the way to the tower and everything. And he's, he's coming from that and he's ending with this, this person who's just losing everyone that he loves. Um, that's not necessarily because of his actions, but it's just, he's like, he put them in the position to get killed and and to leave, but he is, he's not letting them fall. He's, he's part of their, he's their den and he's like the Katet functions as it should. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really great growth, but we'll talk more about that in, in detail as we go through the books in our, uh, Kef episodes. Yep. But um, I think we have yeah. to mention, or we have to discuss, at least bring up the whole loop thing. Yes, you know that's to and me. We'll, we'll have like a full palaver episode at some point about that. But yeah, but yeah. yeah I mean, probably. since we're talking about his character, I mean, yeah, and we're mentioning his tragedy. Mm-hmm. I'd say you know he kind of inadvertently killed his mother. Right, the love of his life was burned at the stake mm-hmm. in front of his eyes. All of his friends died with the yeah. exception of one or two. Yeah. And just, he... Some of I them mean, died multiple times. Yeah, I mean, he's just... Amongst all that horrific tragedy, I think the worst thing is that part of his destiny is he's he's destined to live it all over in an endless mm-hmm. loop. That is just... I mean, like, to, to wrap your head around that, mm-hmm. you just can't. You know, and it's and it's like in and, and all those horrible things that we we read about over four or five thousand pages, um that's just one loop and like he's he's destined to run it forever. And so like how bad is it in the other loops? You know, yeah. what what happens in those other I mean and I don't how, even know. Does he kill his dad in right. another one? Like what <laughs> does does he accidentally kill his dog? I don't yeah. like, I mean it's just like <laughs> How bad it's just crazy mm-hmm. what this guy goes through and and just to have it compounded like that, yeah, and I love how open to interpretation it is too, because mm-hmm. the horn of eld like you can say, well okay that's gonna be it's gonna be different because now he has the horn of eld, something is changed it something I think maybe it's each like in my my perspective is that each loop makes him brings him closer to humanity and closer to yeah. being uh being a character that that will not lose everything in his pursuit of the tower or won't put so much importance on the pursuit of the tower in exchange for, for the lives of his loved ones. Um, but yeah, I honestly, that, that ending is one, maybe the best ending I've ever read or ever experienced in, in any type of media. (laughs) Um, it's up there for me. It's, I mean, it is so, Cause, cause when reading the book series for the first time, like going through it, I was just like, I, like I had no idea what to expect. Like I, I had spent 13 months reading the dark tower series and throughout those 13 months, I never really thought about like, what's going to happen when he reaches the tower? Mm-hmm. Like, what is like, what is he going to find there? Like, what is the, like, what is ultimately at the top of the tower? Yeah. I never thought about that. It was always about like the Caltet and, and the, and the world building and everything. And then you had finished the dark tower before I did. And like, I was just 
like when reading the little coda between the ending and, and, and the, the final part of it where King is basically telling us like, Hey, Hey, you know, if you don't want to know, just close the book. Never, you never have to know mm-hmm. or anything like while reading that, I was like thinking like, I, I don't understand what could pop. Like, I don't know what could possibly be there. Like, yeah. I don't know how he, how this could end. And then I read it and I was like, I was blown away because that is just the perfect ending for that character because Mm -hmm. he is so consumed by his drive for the tower that like, of course the, of course he's going to have to go back on uh, go back to the beginning and redo it and everything. And I love that in that passage, just, I love that the voice of Gan is talking to him. The voice of the tower is talking to him and kind of taunting him. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it is it is magnificent. Yeah. Um, and I saw on a, a post somewhere, I think on Reddit, where someone had said that the the stuff in it, visa, like the stuff in it in referencing the turtle is the stuff that should have been like what um, what Roland finds at the top of the tower. Like it, it should have been more of a metaphysical kind of thing. But I, I mean, I disagree because I think that's just the perfect way to, to, to end the journey for that character and restart the journey. Absolutely. Um, and then just the beautiful, the beautiful, most beautiful aspect of that is that it begins and ends with the man in black flutter across the desert and the gunslinger followed. It's, ah, it's, it's amazing. Like, I don't know at what point Stephen King decided that that was the ending, because he he doesn't outline or anything, but I honestly would think that he would like. I would have to think he was writing toward that from the beginning. Yeah, me too. Because it is just so perfect. Yeah. Um, and it's so great for for the character. Like it's it is the perfect ending for that character. Yes, and the you know the I agree with you that he had to have had that that ending or at least that conclusion for that character in mind earlier on because of the the mountain of tragedy that he just builds yeah. up for that character and awful things happening. And mm-hmm. that's the ultimate one at the end. Absolutely. And so I think that's, that's a trend that didn't just develop on its own. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd be curious to pick his brain on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the ending too. I mm-hmm. think it's great. And I, it's, it's just so sad <laughs> and you know, yeah. you, we, it's it's really it's really a a double edged sword because you know with with stories that are this epic like Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. or something you know you you want the characters to uh, be successful and and mm-hmm. you want the good guys to win and everyone's happy in the end there's a happy ending right. you, know, you want that because it's what those characters deserve but is that really the most you're talking about a fictitious story. Is that really right. the most interesting way you can conclude a story like that? Yeah. I don't think it is. You know, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I think if if the true book had ended with with Roland walking into the tower and calling out the names of his loved ones, mm-hmm. that's a great ending and that's yeah. fun and that's makes you feel good and everything. That's mm-hmm. fine, but I don't think we'd be talking about it that much right. if that was the real ending of that story. Yeah. You know, that's the, you know him walking into the tower is the ending of the story. Mm-hmm. But the ending for his character is the true ending of the story, mm-hmm. I think. And his yeah. wrapping that up and have, having him go back to the beginning, go to the other end of the loop again, it's just, 
That's interesting as hell. And I mean, that's just such a cool way to end it. Absolutely. Would it still be your favorite thing if if we did get the happy ending where Roland goes to the tower, comes out, and it's like, all right, now I'm going to go to... Go to New York with with Su- Susanna and Eddie and Jake and live happily ever after. Honestly, I don't think so. I I I don't think so either. Yeah. yeah, I would I would still love the hell out of it. Oh yeah, um, it'd be one of my favorite books and one of my favorite series. But I don't know mm-hmm. if it would be my favorite thing ever. I don't know if I'd want to start a podcast about it. Right, right. I mean, yeah. To be honest, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's just it's such a perfect way to end it. But yeah, yeah, but we'll get there. But uh, to kind of wind down, because uh, and we're kind of informal on this on this podcast here. So to kind of wind down, I do want to mention that kind of we've talked about the ending and everything. I want to go back to the beginning and how the character of Roland is introduced in the Gunslinger, like the Gunslinger itself. And I'll talk in more detail about the Gunslinger when I do a review with uh, with Tony of the book. But um, I love that almost his introduction like not necessarily his introduction cuz i think it's after no 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 when he goes when he meets brown he goes into the the story of of tull and that what happens in tull is so brutal and amazing to me because he like that's the introduction to the character is like he's a gunslinger and the first time we see him use his guns is to massacre an entire town mm-hmm. because they're under the influence of, of of a crazy sorcerer um and just the description of it like there's that there's that picture in the illustrated edition that's just him with rows of dead people yeah a, a big line of dead people in front of him on the ground it's like that is that takes so much that takes such balls to write that as yeah. your your first introduction to the gunslinger proper is tall. It's it's incredible to me. Um how did you feel about that when uh uh how'd you how'd you feel about that in the greater greater context of his character? I agree. I think you're not, you know, it's it's interesting to that you're not painting your character in the best of light Mm -hmm. your heroic character in the best of light uh to open the series yeah Yeah. it's really it was a really bold choice took balls like you said Mm -hmm. uh i agree with that i i really don't have much else to say on it other than i i think it was a really awesome description Mm -hmm. i mean i think the the action descriptors in that part of the book was were really cool yeah i had a really great image of it in my mind and Again, if someone ever turns it into a show or whatever, I would love to see that right. scene. It's going to be—I think that's going to be like an epic scene. Yeah. Um. In the in the series, it's kind of giving me flashes of like the Daredevil series. There's always a oh yeah. In each season so far, we've had a big scene where he mm-hmm. has to fight a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Like those scenes are so awesome in that show, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes me think of what that conflict and toll would be like. Yeah. Something like that. Um, oh, absolutely! Yeah, so kind of off rails there, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think it's 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 a really bold way to introduce your character to your mm-hmm. audience, uh, especially being given that he's a hero. Yeah, and that's where some of those anti-hero yeah aspects come from. It's like it's uh, it just completely um, disregards the convention, the conventional hero, and everything uh, in that archetype, and it's just really uh, really fantastic. Totally, oh, pizza. totally.
Anyway, um, and it <laughs> it, it kind of sucks because I loaned uh, The Gunslinger and The Drawing of the Three to my friend John, who I work with, and he has been struggling to get in The Gunslinger, mm-hmm. get into The Gunslinger, and I, I think he's just I think I just don't think he's gonna uh, he's he's not gonna finish it like he's just yeah. not he's it's just not for him, but like I think last I checked he was like almost to that scene. I'm like. Just just read a little bit more. Yeah, just keep just going. Just read just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I don't think you will. But anyway. I struggled with The Gunslinger the first time I read it. I was like, man, this is really supposed yeah. to be like, you know, some of his best work and like his mm-hmm. quintessential magnum opus. And I was like, I don't know. This is really weird. And mm-hmm. it's just not. It's it doesn't seem super cohesive and linear and just kind of mm-hmm. kind of hard to hard to wrap my brain around. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think. I think the gunslinger is the odd man out yeah. of of the seven books, so I can understand why people have that reaction to it. Yeah, that's why I always say it's it's like the prologue to the series right. proper. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, but I think that's about all we have to say about Roland Deschain in this this general freeform palaver episode. Um, we'll continue this series of episodes with with an episode devoted to Jake Chambers, and uh, we'll have an episode about. Man, we have so much in the pipeline for this podcast. We do. Like I was thinking about that today. Like it's that's a it's a lot. But we're gonna do a dead zone episode. We're gonna obviously do um, Gerald's games coming out next week mm-hmm. um, on Netflix. So we'll do that. Um, and we have we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline. So um, yeah. Uh, so having said all that, is there anything else we should say? Or should we? I don't think so. I think that's call it a nine. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks again to Castle Rock TV podcast for uh, for playing our promo and everything. And check them out and let them know that you heard them here. And if you're here from listening to them, I, we appreciate you listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. Um, also, thank you to Five by, Five After Five Productions and Cameron Grimm uh, for letting me be uh, be like a little stalker on the set of his uh, his film of of the man who loved flowers. Um, Next time we'll have an episode. I'm not sure what we have in the pipeline for next week. It's all kind of up in the air. But, uh, yeah, final, final thing. We are a fairly new podcast, and uh, it is definitely helpful for us to get iTunes reviews. Um, So if you just downloaded the new iOS and want to play around with the podcast app, maybe, you know, hit us a rating and review. That would be great. Yeah. yeah, so that that would be amazing, and you can always contact us at uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and everywhere at Tower Junkies Pod. Uh, having said all that, Tiny, do you have anything else to say? I don't think so. All right, well, uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com, 
Check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.